to the Chicago 15, slot right, single receiver, Hester to the left, press coverage, snap to Haney, throws it over the middle, Wisconsin Sports Trilogy presents the Packers Trilogy Podcast. Hey, old Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And as always, you can find our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trilogy underscore pod. We are back. We are back for a preview podcast looking ahead to the Vikings game. Um, and I, like, I'm always excited for divisional games, obviously. Um, you know, you always want to win those games. You, know, you want to win every game, but um, the division means a little bit more, obviously. Um, and I'm very, very excited to get into this. But it's just kind of a weird game. I don't know what to think of this Packers team. This 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 Packers team, the the first two three weeks, you're like, okay, like they allow the Falcons to come back in the second or in the fourth quarter and and make a nice comeback and win that game um, to to move the Packers to a loss in that one um, and go one and one to start the season. But then they come back down 17 in the fourth quarter. They come back and score 18 in the fourth and win it. And you're like, okay, you, you can feel pretty good about this team, right? And then all of a sudden, the Detroit Thursday night game happens, and they just have not looked in sync. They've looked terrible in the first halves of games. Um, they especially offensively have just looked absolutely terrible. And it, it does not make a lot of sense to me. I'm not entirely sure why. Um you know, it, it just kind of seems like it, it takes them a lot longer to figure out what's going on defensively, uh, what the opposing defenses are trying to do to them. And then once they figure that out, you know, they start to look like a different team and a different offense. Um, I actually saw some stats and things that the the difference is like they go from the worst offense in the, in the league in the first half to the best offensive in, in the league in the second half of games and it just like I don't understand it I don't get it (laughs) and then it's like the same thing with Jordan Love like he'll look good he'll look really good and then all of a sudden the next drive he just misses what seems like easy throws all that type of stuff I know there's there's a lot going on the offensive line doesn't look good he's constantly got pressure in his face and then you know there's times where and it's it's way too often it's not just like once every other game or something like that it's multiple times every single game where you know you're having two guys on the right side of the field run five yard outs and they're ending you know and they're starting in a bunch formation so they're like on top of each other 
and that's not how the offense is designed. Someone's wrong in that situation, and it makes it a lot more difficult to throw balls because now it's more congested. There's more defenders in that area, all that kind of stuff. There's been times where it looks like there's supposed to be someone running an out route and someone running um, kind of a, a hook or a curl route, and both run the curl, and it and Jordan Love throws an out route because he's expecting I, and I don't ever know which one it is, but they're ex- he's expecting one of them to run an out route, and both receivers are running curl routes, and then after the play, looking at each other. Like, that's not on Jordan Love. That makes him look bad, but that's not on Jordan Love. That's inexperience on the offense. That's bad coaching. That's bad attention to detail, whatever you want to call it. It's just this offense is, is tough to figure out, and I don't know what offense we're going to get against the Vikings. And then you look across the way, and the Vikings, you know, I think they've looked a little bit more solid here in the last few weeks. But, I mean, they started the year 0-3. Granted, they've they've only played in close games. So they lost, their first three games, they lost to the Bucks 20-17, lost to the Eagles 34-28, and then lost to the Chargers 28-24. So all one-score games, right? And then... They beat the Panthers in an eight-point victory. Then they lost to the Chiefs by a touchdown, beat the Bears by six, and then just beat, surprise, surprise, the 49ers by five. Um, So all one-score games they've been a part of. And they've won three of them, lost four of them, and they seem to be getting it together. Um, And even without... Their best player in Justin Jefferson, they they go out and beat the 49ers. And the the thing, you know, not good for us Packer fans, but I feel like probably pretty good for the Vikings, is it felt like it wasn't like, you know, Brock Purdy throws three interceptions and, and you're able to score on all of them and, and they just can't come back from that type of thing from the 49ers' perspective. It, it really didn't feel like that. It just felt like Minnesota was playing up to the standard of San Francisco. I think it's probably more San Francisco playing down to the standard of the Vikings. But either way, they played toe-to-toe with that team. And that just like, as a Packer fan, and you're watching these last three weeks, and you're like, you know, if the Vikings play like that, and we do what we have been basically the entire season, because that's really what has been... Even in the Bear game, Bears game where we score 38, granted Quay Walker had seven of them, so offensively we score 31. Even that game, it wasn't particularly great until the second half when the Packers kind of took control of that game. Yeah, we only had 10. It was 10-6 to six going into halftime, and then the Packers scored 14 points in each the third quarter and the fourth quarter to end with that 38 points. And it's been... That way, kind of all year. The Falcons game, it was really just the third quarter because the fourth quarter was awful. Saints game, it was only the fourth quarter. Lions, the offense showed up a little bit in the second half. Um, Definitely more than they did in the first. And then the Raiders and Broncos, it's the same story, right? It's no offense in the first, and then they come out in the second. And to me, this Vikings team is playing a lot better right now than the Packers, and if they go out and don't put any points up in the first half and the Vikings have 14, do I think they can come back? Yeah, they, they've they shown they can, and 
you know, I don't think the Vikings are a vastly superior team to the Falcons or Saints. So, like, I think they could do it. But, like, can we not? Can we figure out a way how to make this offense just make us, like, the 20th best offense in the first half and continue with the great offense in the second half and we'll be okay? It's just it's so anemic in the first half. You can't – they can't do anything. Um, and that part has to change for me. That's the biggest thing that I think out of these three games is we've we've seen the high-end flashes because we have. Scoring 18 against the Saints, which is a good defense, right? That's, that's not like putting up 18 against the worst defense in the league. The Saints have a good defense, like a very good defense. So – that you know that high end flash it's it's there right they put up 21 in the second half against the bears now that's not as good of a defense but still 21 points and they just took control of that game right and we see these types of flashes where this offense just looks real real good and then there's halves of games and in the saints scenario it's three quarters of that game the Packers didn't move the ball at all you know going back even to the Falcons game they had kind of two quarters but it was the second and third quarter they put up 10 in the second and then 14 in the third and because they're anemic in the first and the fourth they can't get a win right so that's that's kind of what I'm looking at is this offense has to find a way I don't know how because flat out we haven't seen it this offense needs to find a way to be consistent throughout a game. Can we do, instead, you know, instead of scoring 24 points in two quarters like they did against the Falcons, can we just try to get some level of consistency and score, you know, 14 in the first half, 10 to 14 in the second half, and like, you know, that's 24 to 28 points. That's something I feel like this offense can do. Um, it just hasn't been able to do it because, you know, recently it's just been, you've been scoring all your points in the second half. So you score 17 against the Broncos. Now you put up 10 in the first half, all of a sudden 27 points, you win that game easy and that's respectable, right? You know, same thing with the Raiders, you know, you put up 10 points in the first half and, and all of a sudden you're winning that game and you're putting up a respectable point total. And it's, that's the big thing for me is like figuring out what, what's wrong, what's going on and how do we fix it? I don't know. I really do not understand what is happening other than this team is just young and it's taking them longer to understand what the defense is doing, but then coach your goddamn team, Matt LaFleur, Adam Senovich, figure this out offensively to get us some points regularly, right? Like like I said, we've seen the flashes, so we know there can be a quarter or two where they can just put up 28 points and, and put a team away because they can. They've done it. They put up 18 in one quarter. They put up, well, it was twenty. It was 28, but 21 of them by the offense against the Bears. They've done it, right? So they need, like, we don't need to see the high-end flashes to me. Jordan Love can make big time throws. He needs to be more consistent and make the easy ones too. 
And that's kind of what this offense is and what it needs to improve upon, right? It's Jordan Love is kind of the microcosm of this offense as a whole, right? When when he looks good and he's hitting throws that you don't expect him to hit and everything is just looking great on his end, he's you know, you can tell he's comfortable, he's in rhythm, all that kind of stuff. He looks really really good. And then this offense looks really really good. And then there's times he is like skittering around in the pocket because he doesn't trust his protection. He seems to be looking at different things than what we're looking at on the field. And um, he's just not trusting his eyes. And maybe that's partly like he doesn't know if his receivers are going to be in the right spot at the right time. Like I talked about earlier of like just flat out running the wrong routes, miscommunications, all that kind of stuff. So this is, this is something that's fixable. And it very well could be because they're young and, you know, they could, it could just randomly happen where they start to click and they're going to look like a good offense consistently. We just need to get to that point and they need to gel together. The point of this season was to figure out what Jordan Love is. Well, you need to have guys that, that he can trust and he can go out there and just play and not feel like he's got to go and make plays, right? Where he can sit back, you know, take the snap take his three, five, seven step drop, whatever, look to his read and trust that guy to be there and then just have to read the defense, right? And not have to read the defense as well as figure out, okay, is that guy actually going to do what he needs to do or what he is supposed to do? Because there's been far too often that that hasn't been the case. So this is an all-around issue on the offense for me. It's Jordan Love needs to be better. He needs to make he needs to be more consistent because I think he's made all the high-level throws that he needs to to prove that he can make them because he can make all the high-level throws. The throw to Samari Toure on the um, last drive in the Falcons game, absolutely incredible. Just ridiculous <laughs> that he was able to put that ball there. The throw to Romeo Dobbs against the Lions with Aiden Hutchinson in his face. Just he's shown the ability to make the great throws. He just needs to be consistent and hit the easy routes, right? And and maybe let's let's get a 30 to 50 yard completion or two here. Like <laughs> that's the other thing that is been his big fault, other than missing layups from time to time, is he needs to figure out how to connect with these guys deep down the field. Even let's just like throw a deep ball and get a pass interference call. Like, these young wide receivers, go up for the – if he misses the throw, go and get the ball. Like, if it's an underthrow especially, if you beat your guy by two steps but Jordan underthrows it, go aggressively to that ball and do it quickly so the de- the defender doesn't have a chance to react to it and all of a sudden he's still running downfield. You turn around and you're jumping into him because you're going for the ball and now it's – DPI and that might be all he needs and then all of a sudden on the next one he hits you in stride and then and then we're off and running right like just go try to make a play for your quarterback right um but like I said Jordan just needs to be flat out better in those situations so in the to use a basketball analogy in those layup situations he needs to be better and he needs to be better at like that three point to half court type of shots that were taken downfield right so he needs to be better at those two things, right? I think the mid-range is pretty good, right? To continue on this basketball analogy, right? These these intermediate 
you know, 8 to 15 to 20 yards downfield, I think he's been very, very good at. Um, it's the the five-yard outs. It's the swing screens, stuff like that, that he's just missing. And it's not like he's always incomplete. It's always incompletions, right? It's sometimes where the back all of a sudden has to turn all the way back around and then doesn't have the ability to make a play and make a guy miss because he had to contort his body to just to make the catch, right? So that needs to be better. And then those three-point shots need to be better, right? The the 30 to 50 yards down the field just needs to be better uh, from Jordan Love. I do think, like I mentioned, I think the wide receivers, tight ends, can help him a little bit in that regard and, and just try to get his confidence up a little bit in those situations um, because sometimes it just doesn't feel like they're really attacking the ball downfield like many, many receivers in this league do. Um, and that's something I think they could work on a little bit, obviously, with the make sure we're running the right routes and, and being on the same page with page with Jordan. Because it does look like he has command and control of this offense. It's just we're not always in the right spot at the right time, and, and that needs to be improved from these young playmakers. That leads me to Matt LaFleur and this offensive coaching staff. We need to be better. Um, you need to figure out a way how to get your guys, you know, this is the team you have. Whether, you you know, they had to be a part of this plan, right? I imagine Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst were agreeable, at least in some ways, on this plan of let's go young and let's see what Jordan's got, but let's also see what else we can get, you know, through the draft and, and what we have in these young players. So they don't go out and sign veteran tight ends or wide receivers to help stabilize those positions. They just go with the young guys and, and it's going to be volatile and we're going to go with it. Matt LaFleur has to know that going into the season. So you have to be so detail focused in these practices and all in training camp, all that kind of stuff because they need that, right? You need that detail focus. We don't need, even though I'd love to see some of these Matt LaFleur type concepts where we're scheming guys open and, and all that stuff, because I don't think we've seen quite enough of that, you know, from, you know, scheming on Wileek for Luke Musgrave and, and things like that. I just, I think there could be some better um, concepts, you know, scheming guys open in a little bit more consistently. Um but the other thing is, like I said, just attention to detail. Like we have to make sure we're on these concepts all the time and making sure they understand it. And, you know, I think this install should have taken longer than a normal install, right? Because it's all these young guys. And I don't know, maybe they did do that. And the young guys just are making mistakes and, and you know, they, they're like, they're making mistakes, but we know they know it, and it's just in the heat of the moment, and they'll get better with more reps, and, and by mid to late in the season, they're going to be better at that, and, and we're not going to have these mental mistakes. Maybe that's the case, um, and I don't think this is a year where we're like, no, we need to be, you know, we have Aaron Rodgers. We got to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, we can't wait till the mid to late in the year. I mean, we can, but we'd like to see some of that progress, um, you know, start. I think that's what I'm looking for. Can we see some of that progress starting this week against a divisional opponent? You know, before we get into really, really cold weather, right? We're going to um, sneak into November, you know, after this game. So, 
I do think it's it's important that we start to see some progress. And to me, the progress needs to be consistency because, like I said, we've seen the high-end flashes. We have seen that with this offense. We need to see the consistency here, and that's a big, big thing for this coaching staff. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur, uh, Stenovich, all that, that. It needs to be better. It just flat out 100% needs to be better. Um, and then the last thing on the offense, the offensive line. I mean, Elton Jenkins is holding and, and completely whiffing on standard, you know, concepts of this offense. Um, in the Broncos game, you know, he's supposed to be our best offensive lineman. He did not look that in the Broncos game. Um, just this offensive line hasn't really meshed well together. Um, hopefully, you know, as they continue to play, they look a little bit better, but at a certain point, you might have to throw some new people out there and, and see what else you got as as depth pieces because it's just not working. Josh Myers, not working. Um, you know, I think Zach Tom has been pretty decent. John Runyon Jr., he is what he is. Um, he's taking a little step back this year, in my opinion. Um, but he is still serviceable at this point. I th- like I said, I think Zach Tom has been doing just fine. Um, and then, you know, Josh Myers... Kind of over it, kind of over it with Josh Myers. Um, he has not been good this year at all. Uh, and then, you know, Elton Jenkins wasn't very good in that, that Denver game, but hopefully he picks it back up and, and gets back to, you know, Pro Bowl form uh, like he was a few years ago before his injury. And then Rashid Walker, you know, we'll, I think you let him, let him play a little bit um, more. Uh, he looked good his first few weeks, you know, after David Bakhtiari went out for the year after week one, he looked good against the Falcons and the Saints, um, and just hasn't looked the same in the last few weeks. Um, so it's something that to keep an eye on and maybe Josh Neisman is the choice there. Um, but just looking at it, that's something that, that might need to change. Um, in, in the future, looking at this team, when you want to get the best look at Jordan Love possible, it would be helpful if his blind side was blocked up well. So I uh, went on a little bit more of a tangent with this offense than I expected, and I was planning on doing a kind of preview podcast, but this <laughs> kind of turned more into a, a film review of the offense like I do most weeks here. Um, so just quickly defensively, um, Injuries, injuries, injuries are the name of the game defensively. Um, just going to run through. There is some offensive players on here as well. But um, if you haven't heard, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes put on injured reserve. Stokes for his hamstring. Um, and then Darnell Savage got hurt during that Broncos game. Um, so, obviously, uh, the Stokes injury is different than what he was on PUP for. So, we'll see about that um i imagine it's just kind of (laughs) he wasn't quite in game shape even though he's just on special teams against the broncos i'm guessing with the combination of the knee injury and not quite being up to you know not that he's not in shape but you know football shape is different you know having that full-on speed is different and he's got legit speed hamstring being a fast guy injury i i mean it might just be a combination of coming back from that knee. You know, it might just be a little bit weaker, whatever is happening there. Um, Elton Jenkins, Yash Nyman, Josh Myers, all listed as questionable um, on the 25th. 
And then uh, Devondre Campbell listed as questionable with his ankle injury. Then Thursday at practice, Luke Musgrave did not practice with that ankle injury. Um, He is questionable in this game. Aaron Jones, uh, he practiced practiced in a limited capacity on Thursday. He is questionable. J.R. Alexander practiced on Wednesday, uh, but did not practice on Thursday. He is questionable with his back injury. And then Preston Smith uh, sat out of practice on Thursday uh, with an illness. He is questionable in this game as well. So lots and lots of high-end players for this team. And lots and lots, especially on the defensive side of the ball with starter Darnell Savage out, you know, young and up and coming Eric Stokes, who was just coming back from injury. You thought you were going to get him back and he won't be back for at least four weeks. And then Jair Alexander, Preston Smith, um, obviously big names with Devondre Campbell as well. So lots of injuries there on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't really honestly have a ton of information to go through on the defensive side of the ball because I don't, I don't know what Joe Barry's going to do. You know, it's, it's one of those things that this defense just needs to be better, especially, especially against the run. Now, this Vikings team hasn't been particularly great running the football, especially running the football in the red zone. Um, so maybe this ends up being a good matchup for this defense because they don't have to deal with Justin Jefferson because he's on IR. But they also don't have to deal with, you know, prime Delvin Cook and, and all that kind of stuff that this Minnesota Vikings team has been in the past, a pretty good running team. They have not been quite that uh, this year. So um, just going back since that, since I mentioned it, Justin Jefferson on IR, he will not be in this game. Marcus Davenport, Jalen Naylor also on IR. This week, uh, listen as questionable, Ezra Cleveland, the guard uh, for the Vikings, Brian Asamoa, the linebacker, questionable, and then TJ Hawkinson, questionable with a foot injury that he injured against the 49ers. So, But he did practice in a limited fashion on Thursday. So that's where we're at. It, Like I said, it, it is going to be something to watch, I think, defensively for the Packers is how they attack this defense or the, excuse me, this offense, um, you know, how do they attack it without Justin Jefferson? Are they going to, if Jair can play in this game, is he going to be, you know, man-on-man with Jordan Addison and try to take him away because, you know, they don't have a whole heck of a lot after that, especially if TJ Hawkinson can't go. Um, So we'll kind of have to see on that what their kind of game plan and how they do that. I can't imagine... They're going to follow him. Um, I think the last time I remember them doing that was against the Vikings in Lambeau last year where the Packers absolutely destroyed the Vikings. Um, And that was the Jair Alexander grittying on Justin Jefferson game, if you remember that. So um, I'm interested to see how the defense plays this. Um, And then I also want to see some consistency from this offense uh something about this game specifically because i kind of just went on a kind of film review tangent early um offensively for the packers this is going to be a completely different defense brian flores has just been in his bag all year (laughs) uh, defensively calling plays for the vikings um he leads the league in the amount of blitzes that he's sent for his defense right so 
Um, and it's by 50, five zero blitzes. So he blitzes a lot more than anyone else in the league. And then he also leads the league in like the opposite of that, right? In rushing three, only three, and dropping eight into coverage. That is, by definition, playing coverage. So it's he is just massively anywhere from basically rushing no one to or rushing the bare minimum, I guess I should say, uh, to all-out blitzes. So it's it's just something, and I think he he'll do some simulated pressures and you know look like they're blitzing, but you know drop into coverage, all those types of things. So it's going to be a very like I think this could be a good look to see how Jordan Love has progressed, especially since if you remember his first start in Kansas City, I think you know they blitzed the crap out of him and had a lot of those simulated pressures, all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be something interesting to watch. I think watching this offensive line deal with that is going to be important because they need to be better. Um, And I'm just excited to watch because this is going to be an interesting defensive team that they're going to be playing against. And we got to figure out if Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, this offensive line, these weapons can figure it out faster figure out what's going on, and then let's go score some points on this team. Because they have been, you know, they can allow some points here, right? Uh, So far this year, it hasn't been like, you know, I expected this defense to be terrible because they lost a lot of players. Um, But they, since week one, it's been, they've given up 20, 34, 28, uh, 13, 27, 13, and 17. Um, and if you remember early in the year, they couldn't hold a football because apparently all the footballs they had had butter on them <laughs> with the amount of fumbles and turnovers they had early in the year. Um, so this defense has been better than I thought they would be. Um, and I think a lot of that credit goes to Brian Flores and his scheme and what he's doing with his defensive play calls. So that's going to be something to watch, and I think that's a good test for Jordan Love in this offense. Hopefully they can figure it out. Um, I'm going to go a little bit conservative here. I am going to predict a Packers win, um, but I'm going to say it's going to be 24 to 20 in the Packers' favor. Um, so not a ton of points, but you know, hopefully they can do just enough to beat this team um, and hopefully start turning a little heads and start a little run for the Packers here in 2023. That's going to be it for me today and this week uh, we'll be back with our recap podcast starting it up uh, again next week but until then and as always go pack go